Section eight of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section eight. Mordecai Spectre, born eighteen fifty nine in Uman, government of Kiev, Little Russia. Education Hasidic. Entered business in eighteen seventy eight. Wrote first sketch, A Roman on Liber, in eighteen eighty two. Contributor to Zedenbaum's Judische Volksblatt, eighteen eighty four to eighteen eighty seven. Founded in eighteen eighty eight and edited Der Hausfreund at Warsaw. Editor of Warsaw Daily Papers, Unzerleben, and at present, nineteen hundred and twelve, Das Leben writer of novels, historical romances, and sketches in Yiddish, contributor to numerous periodicals, compiled a volume of more than two thousand Jewish proverbs. An Original Strike by Mordecai Spector I was invited to a wedding. Not a wedding at which ladies wore low dress and scattered powder as they walked, and the men were in frock-coats and white gloves, and had waxed moustaches. Not a wedding where you ate of dishes with outlandish names according to a printed card, and drank wine dating, according to the label, from the reign of King Sobieski out of bottles dingy with the dust of yesterday. No, but a Jewish wedding, where the men, women and girls, wore the Sabbath and holiday garments in which they went to shul, a wedding where you whet your appetite with sweet cakes and apple tart, and sit down to Sabbath fish with fresh rolls, golden ayuch, golden soup, stuffed fowl and roast duck, and the wine is in large clear white bottles, a wedding with a calling to the reading of the Torah of the bridegroom, a party on the Sabbath preceding the wedding, a good-night play performed by the musicians, and a bridegroom's dinner in his native town, with a table spread for the poor. Reb Yitzok Eitzig Berkover made a feast for the poor at the wedding of each of his children, and now, on the occasion of the marriage of his youngest daughter, he had invited all the poor of the little town Lipovitz to his village home, where he had spent all his life. It is the day of the ceremony under the chuppah, the canopy, two o'clock in the afternoon, and the poor, sent for early in the morning by a messenger with the three great wagons, are not there. Lipovitz is not more than five versts away. What can have happened? The parents of the bridal couple and the assembled guests wait to proceed with the ceremony. At last the messenger comes riding on a horse, unharnessed from his vehicle, but no poor. "'Why have you come back alone?' demands Reb Yitzchok Eitzig. "'They won't come,' replied the messenger. "'What do you mean by they won't come?' asked everyone in surprise. "'They say that unless they are given a kerbal apiece, they won't come to the wedding.' All laugh, and the messenger goes on. There was a wedding with a dinner to the poor in Lipovitz to-day, too, and they have eaten and drunk all they can, and now they've gone on strike, 
and declare that unless they are promised a kerbel ahead, they won't move from the spot. The strike leaders are the crooked man with two crutches, Mukabail the long, Feitel the stammerer, and Yenkel Fonfatch. The others would perhaps have come, but these won't let them. So I don't know what to do. I argued a whole hour and got nothing by it. So then I unharnessed a horse and came at full speed to know what was to be done." We of the company could not stop laughing. But Reb Yitzchok Eitzig was very angry. "'Well, and you bargained with them? Won't they come for less?' he asked the messenger. "'Yes, I bargained, and they won't take a kopeck less.' "'Have their prices gone up so high as all that?' exclaimed Reb Yitzchok Eitzig, with a satirical laugh. "'Why did you leave the wagons? We shall do without the tramps, that's all.' "'How could I tell? I didn't know what to do. I was afraid you would be displeased. Now I'll go and fetch the wagons back.' "'Wait! Don't be in such a hurry. Take time!' Reb Yitzchok Eitzig began consulting with the company and with himself. What an idea! Who ever heard of such a thing? Poor people telling me what to do, haggling with me over my wanting to give them a good dinner and a nice present each, and saying they must be paid in the roubles, otherwise it's no bargain. Ha! Ha! For two guldens each it's not worth their while. It costs them too much to stock the ware. Thirty kopecks wouldn't pay them. I like their impertinence. Mischief take them. I shall do without them. Let the musicians play. Where is the beadle? They can begin putting the veil on the bride." But directly afterwards he waved his hands. "'Wait a little longer. It is still early. Why should it happen to me? Why should my pleasure be spoilt? Now I've got to marry my youngest daughter without a dinner to the poor. I would have given them half a rouble each. It's not the money I mind, but fancy bargaining with me. Well, there, I have done my part, and if they won't come, I'm sure they're not wanted. Afterwards they'll be sorry. They don't get a wedding like this every day. We shall do without them." "'Well, can they put the veil on the bride?' The beadle came and inquired. "'Yes, they can. N no, tell them to wait a little longer.' Nearly all the guests, who were tired of waiting, cried out that the tramps could very well be missed. But Reb Yitzchok Eitzig's face suddenly assumed another expression. The anger vanished, and he turned to me and a couple of other friends, and asked if we would drive to the town and parley with the revolted arms-gatherers. "'He has no brains. One can't depend upon him,' he said, referring to the messenger. A horse was harnessed to a conveyance, and we drove off, followed by the mounted messenger. "'A revolt! A strike of arms-gatherers! How do you like that?' we asked one another all the way. We had heard of workmen striking refusing to work except for a higher wage, and so forth, but a strike of paupers, paupers insisting on larger arms to pay for eating a free dinner? Such a thing had never been known. 
In twenty minutes' time we drove into Lipovitz. In the market-place, in the centre of the town, stood the three great peasant wagons, furnished with fresh straw. The small horses were standing unharnessed, eating out of their nose-bags. Round the wagons were a hundred poor folk, some dumb, others lame, the greater part blind, and half the town's urchins, with as many men. All of them were shouting and making a commotion. The crooked one sat on a wagon and banged it with his crutches. Long Micabale, with a red plaster on his neck, stood beside him. These two leaders of the revolt were addressing the people, the meek of the earth. "'Ha-ha!' exclaimed Long Micabale, as he caught sight of us and the messenger. "'They have come to beg our acceptance.' "'To beg our acceptance!' shouted the crooked one, and banged his crutch. "'Why won't you come to the wedding, to the dinner?' we inquired. "'Everyone will be given alms.' "'How much?' they asked altogether. Uh, "'We don't know, but you will take what they offer.' "'Will they give it to us in Geblech, in roubles? Because if not, we don't go.' "'There will be a hole in the sky if you don't go.' cried some of the urchins present. The alms-gatherers threw themselves on the urchins with their sticks, and there was a bit of a row. Mukabel the Long, standing on the cart, drew himself to his full height, and began to shout, "'Hush, hush, hush! Quiet, you crazy cripples! One can't hear oneself speak! Let us hear what those have to say who are worth listening to!' And he turned to us with the words, you must know, dear Jews, that unless they distribute Kerblech among us, we shall not budge. Never you fear. Reb Yitzchok Eitzik won't marry his youngest daughter without us. And where is he to get others of us now? To send to Lunitz would cost him more in conveyances, and he would have to put off the marriage. What do they suppose? That because we are poor people they can do what they please with us? and a new striker hitched himself up by the wheel, blind of one eye, and with a tied-up jaw. "'No one can oblige us to go. Even the chief of police and the governor cannot force us. It's either Kerblech, or we stay where we are.' ker 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 black came from Feitel the stammerer. "'Niblech!' put in Yankel Fonfatch, speaking through his small nose. "'No, more!' called out a couple of merry paupers. "'Kerblech! Kerblech!' shouted the rest in concert. And through their shouting and their speeches sounded such a note of anger and of triumph, it seemed as though they were pouring out all the bitterness of soul collected in the course of their sad and luckless lives. They had always kept silence, had had to keep silence, had to swallow the insults offered them along with farthings, and the dry bread, and the scraped bones, and this was the first time that they had been able to retaliate, the first time they had known how it felt to be entreated by the fortunate in all things, and they were determined to use their opportunity of asserting themselves to the full, to take their revenge. In the word Kerblech lay the whole sting of their resentment. And while we talked and reasoned with them, came a second messenger from Reb Yitzchok Eitzig. 
to say that the paupers were to come at once, and they would be given a rouble each. There was great noise and scrambling. The three wagons filled with alms-gatherers, one crying out, Oh, my bad hand! Another, Oh, my foot! And a third, Oh, my poor bones! The merry ones made antics and sang in their places while the horses were put in, and the procession started at a cheerful trot. The urchins gave a great hurrah and threw little stones after it, with squeals and whistles. The poor folks must have fancied they were being pelted with flowers and sent off with songs. They looked so happy in the consciousness of their victory. For the first and perhaps the last time in their lives they had spoken out and got their own way. After the chuppah and the golden ayuch, the canopy and the chicken soup, that is, at supper tables were spread for the friends of the family and separate ones for the alms-gatherers. Reb Yitzchok Eitzig and members of his own household served the poor with their own hands, pressing them to eat and drink. L'chaim to you, Reb Yitzchok Eitzig, may ye have a pleasure in your children, and be a great man, a great rich man, desired the poor. Long life, long life to all of you, brethren, drink in health, God help all Israel, and you among them replied Reb Yitzchok Eitzig. After supper the band played, and the arms-gatherers, with Reb Yitzchok Eitzig, danced merrily in a ring round the bridegroom. Then who was so happy as Reb Yitzchok Eitzig? He danced in the ring, the silk skirts of his long coat flapped and flew like eagle's wings. Tears of joy fell from his shining eyes and his spirits rose to the seventh heaven. He laughed and cried like a child, and exchanged embraces with the arms-gatherers. "'Brothers!' he exclaimed as he danced. "'Let us be merry! Let us be Jews! Musicians, give us something cheerful, something gayer, livelier, louder! This is what you call a Jewish wedding! This is how a Jew makes merry. So the guests and the arms-gatherers clapped their hands in time to the music. Yes, dear readers, it was what I call a Jewish wedding. End of section 8